Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain. Dot TV slash gold. I hope everyone is doing great this Monday evening, Tuesday morning, folks. We have a lot to cover today. We're going to keep deep diving into the history of eugenics, but I want to show you something very important that I came across, folks. So, as you know, as you know, technocracy. Uh, eugenics, the brain trust that was FDR's brain trust that helped create the New Deal, all forming out of Columbia University. Then we find it growing out of Harvard University, out of MIT. So tonight we're going to do a little dive into Harvard University, and it's really important because you're going to see who actually ties in to this stuff at Harvard University. So we're going to take a trip in the past, and we're going to look at what Harvard University was doing with eugenics, and then we're going to fast forward to the future and show what they are doing in part because I didn't investigate all of it yet. I'm going to show you what they're doing with transhumanism, and eugenics is really transhumanism in its purest form. I'm going to show you that as well. And we're going to show you who is behind some of the transhumanist um, projects going on at Harvard. And this is really important because it proves that this stuff is alive and well, that eugenics did not die with Adolf Hitler. That is not true, folks. We're starting to disprove the so-called 
uh, historians. I just believe they're the folks that are allowed to push the official narrative on behalf of our good old government, the government that is actually funding all of this stuff, folks. It is the state. Why? Because the state benefits by controlling the system of complete and total control so i had a couple of conversations today uh one with maria albanese co-host of the thomas Paine podcast on fridays i think she'll be coming on here in the next few days we're going to talk about a lot of stuff tie up a lot of loose ends for you uh i had a call today with dan Golvach, good friend of mine he's been on the show before his son spencer was murdered by a four-time deported illegal alien Dan actually campaigned with President Trump in 2015, knowing damn well that he probably would be screwed over, but he looked at Donald Trump as someone who was pushing the anti-illegal immigration message, border security, and things of that nature. So Dan lent his son's story to President Trump to try to get him elected. Uh, Well, Dan is going to be on. He's been studying theology and geopolitics for over 40 years, uh, way before the unfortunate situation happened with his son, Spencer. So Dan has been doing a lot of research into this FTX story. He emailed me some more stuff today. And so he's on top of it. He's tying that into CBDC, and that ties right into the episodes we've done with Wide Awake Jim. So Dan is going to come on the show tomorrow. It's scheduled for tomorrow, Tuesday. I should be excuse me, I should be interviewing him in the uh, early evening, and then we'll be able to get that out at the regular time, midnight, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to work on that for you. That's going to be a fantastic interview. Dan is always fun to talk to, and I know he's probably got uh, 50, 60, 70 hours into researching FTX at this point, so it's something he's comfortable speaking about. And, you know, I'm interested in it. Uh, If Dan can tie it into everything we've been covering here, then I think it is worth my time to learn about it, and therefore it would be worth your time. I would never introduce you to something that I'm not particularly interested in, and Dan's been finding a lot of stuff. I'm sure you guys are digging as well. I know it's a hot topic. So if it ties into the stories we've been telling over here, then I will definitely... Uh, entertain that folks on top of it i had a bunch of people reach out to me from pain.tv slash gold on twitter on telegram and other places thanking me for the story that i told about my wife and i's personal experience dealing with the rockefeller medical industrial complex so i'm really glad that that episode touched you guys Uh, At least one of our midwives, probably two, are going to come on the show soon. My doula is going to come on the show. A good friend of ours that we made during this process who is an expert in homeopathy, she is going to come on the show. So I'm lining up a lot of guests in the uh, solution column, folks, in the solution column, because I want to start to talk about solutions to the problems that we face. And I want to talk about those from a realistic perspective. There might be some other exciting announcements on the horizon as well you know in the coming week or so i'll let you guys know about those in the meantime please leave us a five-star review and comment over at apple Podcasts. you guys have been slacking off come on the numbers are growing here i know there's thousands of you listening to this show so please just do us a favor 
and leave a five-star review and a comment there at Apple Podcasts because it really does help, folks. And at the end of the day, I have to put food on my table, and if that is not happening, then I obviously cannot continue down this path. So by leaving a comment, if that's the least you can do, it helps drive up the show, more people listen, and then I'm able to make a little bit of revenue off the uh, advertisements on the free side of this podcast. And then as we move forward, I will figure out other ways to monetize in this industry, folks. A lot of the podcasters are pretty much on the take. There's somebody behind them. We don't have that over here at pain.tv slash gold. So we make money off of the subscriptions and off of the ad revenue. Uh, Mike is in a little higher tier than me. He's been at it a couple of years. So he's able to do some host red ads and stuff like that. We're being transparent here. I have nothing to hide from you guys. So that's the way it works. If you'd like to leave a donation for the show or something, uh, you want to give something to my son, William, just do so at donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show, and the link to that is in the description. All right, that's about it, folks. I don't have anything else to say on that front. My mother-in-law is here, which, by the way, I actually do want to mention this. All right, so my mother-in-law flew in from Poland yesterday. We picked her up. She had one big suitcase and then a small carry-on suitcase, and we get back to the house, and the next thing you know, she's unpacking her big suitcase, and I swear, it was like watching me midgets uh, midget clowns crawl out of a clown car it looked like some kind of a mr bean episode with like a never-ending suitcase with a false bottom i don't know how she got this through security because i think you're allowed like 45 pounds i know when i went to poland and came back it was difficult folks she's pulling uh french chocolates uh tea like tea bags uh cookies all kinds of treats from poland uh and from europe she's got a huge bottle uh, it was like a one liter bottle right so we don't really sell a lot of those here in the united states but it's half the size of a two liter bottle of soda it's a fanta bottle one liter full of my father-in-law's homemade whiskey then she's got another bottle almost the same size full of his raspberry sherry that he makes and so i'm like i don't even drink anymore what are we gonna do with this stuff so anyway we're having a uh, gathering for thanksgiving my mother and stepfather flew in from texas my father is driving in tomorrow from connecticut my brother-in-law's uh, parents live not too far from here we're all going to get together my mom rented a big uh, house like an airbnb so we're going to do a big uh, gathering for thanksgiving so that's going to be a lot of fun and my dad's already saying uh, i already got the cigars to celebrate he hasn't smoked a cigar in about nine years i think he actually quit cold turkey because my father used to smoke about three cigars a day so who knows what habits are going to come back after he uh breaks his sobriety from cigars so i told him listen i will have uh, one glass of my father-in-law's whiskey with you but i'm not going to get drunk i just got a kid here i got a show i'm building it's a business it's like having two children at the same time i've done a great job of not getting any battles with my wife through the whole pregnancy and i'm not about to start that now not with her mother here and the two of them speaking polish because i'll have no idea what they're saying about me i'll wake up from a drunken stupor and all my stuff will be packed and left outside on the front lawn we don't need that happening folks so i'm going to behave myself over thanksgiving 
But it's going to be great to see my dad. Haven't seen him since uh, Easter. My wife and I drove up there when we surprised him and told him that he was going to be a grandfather. So uh, that was the last time we saw my father in person. So it's going to be great. A lot of fun. And then in a couple months, I think, uh, my father-in-law is going to be retired, and he might make a trip over here. And he has never flown. He hates the airplane. He really doesn't travel. The only place he goes is from where he lives in Poland uh, to France, and he goes three weeks out of the year because he works in construction so he's retiring in a couple months and then might make a trip over here so uh that's the story on the home front all right at least we got the, my mother-in-law who is like some kind of a moon moonshine bootlegger sneaking liquor into the united states now what's going to happen folks probably the atf is going to go after her about uh after me talking about it on the show so the poor woman i should have kept my mouth shut all right folks well here's the deal I want to start off with this harvardmagazine.com article, okay? And I have this up on the screen for the video audience at pain.tv slash gold. And this is a great piece I found uh, while I have been uh, researching eugenics. And this is written in March 2016. And the title is Harvard's Eugenics Era, When Academics Embrace Scientific Racism, Immigration Restrictions, and the Suppression of, the uh, of quote, the unfit, end quote. And this is by Adam S. Cohen. And this is a great piece, and we're going to go through all of it because it's going to set the stage for what I'm about to talk about after. And this is really good because it's basically Harvard admitting through Harvard Magazine what the hell they were supporting and what they were doing all the way back in the early 1900s. Uh, all around the progressive era and everything we've been covering the last couple of episodes. It's basically Harvard admitting to this stuff, which is great. I think it's fantastic. Of course, they try to pretend that it's over. And I'm going to show you that it's not over. It never actually ended. And you're going to see one of the big money men who's behind some of the transhumanist projects uh, combined in with what we'd call eugenics, right? So some of the transhumanist projects uh, right here at Harvard. So let's get into this folks it says in august 1912 harvard president emeritus charles william elliott addressed the harvard club of san francisco on a subject close to his heart racial purity it was being threatened he declared by immigration Eliot was not opposed to admitting new Americans, but he saw the mixture of racial groups it could bring ab about as a grave danger. Quote, each nation should keep its stock pure, end quote, Eliot told his San Francisco audience. Quote, there should be no blending of races, end quote. Now, again, like most things I talk about on this show, not all, obviously, I have my stances against technocracy and against transhumanism, but I am not taking a stand on uh, whether that is right or whether that is wrong, okay? Because I look at a place like Poland or I look at a place like Italy or I look at a place like uh, United Kingdom, right, any of these places, and, and I say to myself, okay, well, if a country like Poland wanted to keep in it's uh, identity sort of pure, right? That's their business. They can debate that. Um, 
this idea of forcing various races, uh, ethnicities to live together and to breed and create multicultural people. I don't, you know, that's a debate we can have on another show. I'm not here to talk about that right now or give my opinion. I am just letting you know the facts, okay? The facts as they are, and all of these articles that I cover here at the Dust and Gold Standard, I have read enough in my life about these topics to know that the information in them is true. So this is very interesting because it is Harvard admitting to what was going on there in the early 1900s, rather than me taking this from someone who's writing about Harvard. We pull this right out of the Harvard magazine. All right, so again, you've got this guy, Charles William Eliot, and Eliot was not opposed to admitting new Americans, but he saw the mixture of racial groups uh, could bring a grave danger. All right, again, he says, quote, each nation should keep its stock pure, end quote. Elliot told his San Francisco audience, quote, there should be no blending of races, end quote. Folks, that's just the beginning. We're just setting the stage. A good old left-leaning liberal at Harvard University talking about this in 1912. Wait until you see what's coming on this wild ride back into the history of eugenics and Harvard University. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, this is a very good piece. All right, a very, very good piece. So we got to work our way through this because this is a jam-packed show, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's continue. Talking about Charles William Eliot, it says, Eliot's warning against mixing races which for him included Irish Catholics marrying white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, Jews marrying Gentiles, and blacks marrying whites, was a central tenet of eugenics. The eugenics movement, which had begun in England and was rapidly spreading in the United States, insisted that human progress depended on promoting reproduction by the best people in the best combinations and preventing the unworthy from having children. All right, so you know this because of the last couple of episodes we did, folks. This is basically kind of the ground floor of eugenics promotion of what they deem to be fit to breed with each other and those unfit not be allowed to breed and not mixing 
of races, no mixing of races. Okay, it goes on to say the former Harvard president was an outspoken supporter of another major eugenic cause of his time for sterilization of people declared to be quote feeble minded end quote physically disabled quote criminalistic end quote or otherwise flawed you've got that so this guy charles uh william elliott was the former harvard president and he's this outspoken supporter of eugenics no race mixing right we only let the fit breed the unfit are not allowed to breed and then he believes in the sterilization of the feeble-minded physically disabled criminalistic or otherwise flawed right so that's chemical castration of anyone they declare to be feeble-minded which falls into it's it's a very broad category folks this could be the unemployable the unfit whatever these guys deem to be feeble-minded it is if they were doing this today and you or i spoke about the things we're speaking about now so we didn't fit into the mold we would be considered to be feeble-minded to them if we didn't trust the science, we would be feeble-minded to them. If we don't buy into COVID land, the high school theater production, we are feeble-minded to them. The physically disabled, okay, so somebody who walks with a limp, you know, someone who uh, has a handicap, boom, done, sterilized. Criminalistic, okay, someone who's a criminal, well, we know there's varying degrees of criminals, and the more laws we have, the more criminals there are. Listen to legal man at the quash. Uh, if you're committing a crime, supposedly, that's not hurting anyone else, is it really a crime? Well, I don't know. They would sterilize you. Uh, or otherwise flawed, right? So whatever flawed falls into, again, they could divide, define you or I as flawed. Goes on to say, in 1907, Indiana had enacted the nation's first eugenic sterilization law. Four years later, in a paper on, quote, the suppression of moral defectives, end quote, Elliott declared that Indiana's law, quote, blazed the trail, which all free states must follow if they would protect themselves from moral degeneracy, end quote. He also lent his considerable prestige to the campaign to build a global eugenics movement. He was a vice president of the first International Eugenics Congress, which met in London in 1912 to hear papers on, quote, racial suicide, end quote, among Northern Europeans and similar topics. Two years later, Elliott helped organize the first national conference on race betterment in Battle Creek, Michigan. All right, so as you see, this former president of Harvard University, he was out and about, folks. He was speaking on this stuff. He was promoting this stuff. And again, some of these policies, uh, if we broke them down, you may or may not agree with. That's not the point. I'm going to show you that when eugenics started, what it's grown into is transhumanism. And that's why any Anything that is behind these so-called progressives will progress to the point of engineering humanity out of existence. It will start with enslaving all of the people under a technocratic system, but the eugenics transhumanism side of this will move towards engineering humanity out of existence because madmen like this gentleman would gladly do it. All right, he's got a vision in his head for what he wants, what he believes is a fit person. All right, but you don't really know what that is.
What what if it's anyone who has brown eyes he considers to be not worthy to live? They would be considered to be uh, feeble-minded or physically disabled because they have brown eyes and not blue eyes or green eyes or gray eyes, whatever it may be. Goes on to say, none of these actions created problems for Elliot at Harvard for a simple reason. They were well within the intellectual mainstream at the university you heard that right folks this is harvard magazine admitting this let me repeat none of these actions talking about sterilization talking about no race mixing talking about uh forced breeding okay none of these actions created problems for elliot at harvard for a simple reason they were well within the intellectual mainstream at the university now you think that the professors at these universities are crazy today they were no different back then i don't know where people uh got sucked into and believed this fact that like oh all these colleges have turned leftists over the last 15 years folks what were the progressives doing over 100 years ago talking about sterilizing people they deemed to be unfit remember yesterday we covered that guy tausig and Tausik was saying, yeah, I wish we could chloroform all these people, but we're not at that point yet. Instead, we'll lock them in asylums and or sterilize them. Yeah, this guy Tausik was a big deal, folks. I believe he comes up in this article. It says, Harvard administrators, faculty members, and alumni were at the forefront of American eugenics. You heard me. Harvard administrators, faculty members, and alumni were at the forefront of American eugenics. Founding eugenics organizations, writing academic and popular eugenics articles, and lobbying government to enact eugenics laws. And for many years, scarcely any significant Harvard voices, if any at all, were raised against it. Right? Almost no one ever said anything against it. And this is Harvard admitting this in 2016. Harvard's role in the movement was in many ways not surprising. Eugenics attracted considerable support from progressives, reformers, and educated elites as a way of using science to make a better world. Harvard was hardly the only university that was home to prominent eugenicists. Stanford's first president, David Starr Jordan, and Yale's most acclaimed economist, Irving Fisher, were leaders in the movement. The University of Virginia was the center of scientific racism, with professors like Robert Bennett Bean, author of such works of pseudoscience as the 1906 American Journal of Anatomy article, quote, some racial peculiarities of the Negro brain, end quote. Yeah, folks, this is wild, is it not, that we're finding this here? Harvard just openly talking about this. I haven't looked, folks, but when they did the whole tear down the statue movement under the cancel culture, did they go around and burn down buildings that these professors, these presidents of these universities were uh, named after? I, I mean, should they burn down Harvard because one of the presidents was talking openly about this kind of stuff? I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows this seriously i was talking to a few people who listened to the show and they said i listen to a lot of stuff and i haven't heard a lot of this before not in the detail that you're providing so 
I'm glad I could be of service. <laughs> it goes on to say, but in part because of its overall prominence and influence on society, and in, and in part because its sheer enthusiasm. Harvard was more central to American eugenics than any other university. Harvard has, with some justification, been called the, quote, brain trust, end quote, of 20th century eugenics. But the role it played is little remembered or remarked upon today, which is why we are talking about it. So you had the brain trust of eugenicists over here at Harvard. You had the brain trust of the New Deal operating over at Columbia University. Lots of brain trust, folks, working to implement transhumanism and technocracy. And where's our brain trust on our side? It's right here at the Dust and Gold Standard. All right, folks, it says, It is understandable that the university is not eager to recall its part in that tragically misguided intellectual movement, but it is a chapter too important to be forgotten. And so I want to give a round of applause, okay, to Adam S. Cohen and whoever his editor was that allowed this to be printed again that says it is understandable that the university is not eager to recall its part in that tragically misguided intellectual movement but it is a chapter too important to be forgotten but i will say right here folks this tragically misguided intellectual movement no 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 you don't get to get away with that because it never ended it never ever ended you'll see what they're doing there at harvard right now so for anyone who believes that this was just some stain on history over at harvard university or some stain on america no folks this was commonplace this was mainstream and it never actually ended it goes on to say eugenics emerged in england in the late 1800s when francis galton a half cousin of charles darwin we looked at this the other day began studying the families of some of history's greatest thinkers and concluded that genius was hereditary galton invented a new word combining the greek for quote good end quote and quote genes end quote now as you know we covered that as well so eugenics means good genes and launched a movement calling for society to take affirmative steps to promote quote the more suitable races or strains of blood end quote echoing his famous half cousin's work on evolution galton declared that quote what nature does blindly slowly and ruthlessly man may do providently quickly and kindly end quote now we have picked up a lot of great quotes over the last several episodes from the technocrats to the eugenicists from these leading figures in these two movements that were rising at the same time now i told you these people are sick they're demented they're power hungry they want control they want to shape the world in their own vision and they do not want to allow god the creator mother nature natural life whatever it may be to take its course they believe that they should play god this is the same thing as dennis bushnell chief scientist at nasa in 2018 in front of the fire organization the future in review saying that we have reached the point of human evolution of humans this is when humans take control of their evolution and who is doing that you or me or anyone else no it is the scientists the engineers the 
technologist uh, back here under eugenics. It was the economist that believe that they should have the right to engineer the future of the human. They should have the right to control the society. They should have the right to socially engineer the culture. They should have the right to genetically modify people and force children to breed with each other. They should have the right to control the outcome because they are sick and tired of allowing God or the creator to do such things. See, it says right here, echoing his famous half-cousin's work. Okay, so he's talking about Charles Darwin on evolution. Galton declared that, quote, what nature does blindly, slowly, and ruthlessly, man may do providently, quickly, and kindly. Do you understand that? So these guys most of which were devout atheists, and we'll eventually get into that on another show. Now, again, I'm not here to push Christianity or any other religion, but I do believe in a God. I do believe in a creator. I do believe in Mother Nature. I do believe in natural life. Okay, I do believe there's magic out there, and it's all around us. No, I do not believe the world was created by aliens. All right, although that's funny to think about that we are just in some alien kids science project sitting in a Petri dish, but no, I do not believe that. But see, when they admit that they're fighting against nature they're admitting that they're acknowledging there's something beyond their so-called science right because he's saying what nature does blindly slowly and ruthlessly man may do providently quickly and kindly so that's the idea of them wanting to play god so if god is going to slowly weed out the dregs of society we can do it quickly we can do it kindly we'll just bring you out behind the tool shed and throw a chloroform rag over your mouth until you choke to death rather than watch you slowly fade away the question is if god wanted those people weeded out of society why were they walking around alive and well Okay, if these people were able to get jobs and get employment and be somewhat productive citizens in this capitalistic society that these guys had developed, why would they have to rig the system to force these people into unemployment just so that they could label them unemployable, unfit, and then deem them to be locked up in an asylum, a concentration camp, be forced into sterilization or killed? All right, see, this is the sicko human. These are evil people, folks. Something is wrong with them. They are not happy with themselves, and therefore, they have to make everyone else suffer in their misery. Misery loves company, folks. And I am happy, and I love company as well. That's why I invite you back right here on pain.tv slash gold. When we get back from the break, my name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 